We are Americans. We've done the hard work of freedom, and tonight, it is a big idea, a new world order. Dream to Reality Entertainment presents the Think Tank Podcast. Starring your host, he's a podcaster, photographer, filmographer, writer, conspiracy fascist, entrepreneur, explorer, color commentator, picky eater, beer ninja, secret agent, and the world's most influential humanoid, he is Ryan the Area Man. And now, coming to you pre-recorded from the very secretive D2R Studios, deep undercover in the world's deepest, darkest, most secure, Hadron Collider and Nuclear Bomb Tested and Approved Doomsday Bunker, here is Ryan the Area Man! Welcome. I'm Ryan, the Area Man. And you're listening to the Think Tank Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for clicking the download button. And uh, today, we're going to do something a little different. Um, let's see. How do I how do I intro this? Um, I'm going to play you a series of clips from a comedian pretty much I would say everybody knows or knew of. Um... He was born uh, May 12, 1937. He died June 22, 2008. That alone may tell you, some of you out there, who it is. You may know. This has got to be so-and-so. Um, basically, what I've done today is I've, I've taken clips from uh, a handful of his his like comedy specials, comedy albums, um... Yeah, basically those two particular things. I think I may have taken a small clip from one of his audiobooks as well. So now, some of you that didn't know before may say, Ah, it's got to be this guy. Um, he came up with his first album back in 1963. His last album was recorded in 2008. Um, he was on a handful of movies handful of television shows and he had a uh, about a dozen or so maybe even no maybe even a little more than uh, a dozen HBO specials first one in 1977 last one in 2008 um, and he had uh, seven books I believe six or seven books um, so what I'm gonna do is I've taken specific parts of these these albums and specials and books and whatnot uh, audio from the books. Obviously, I'm not going to read parts of the book. I'm playing audio all from this same comedian. And uh, what what's so fascinating about this guy is that he presented his his comedy. Well, the the stuff he talks about, it was it was done as though it was 
comedy. It's a comedy act, and that's why people would go see him. He was considered a comedian, and he was a comedian. But he was talking about real things, like things that, and, and, and he said things that were that were real. And I think a lot of people kind of understood that what he was saying was real. It wasn't just, you know, a lot of comedians will come out there and say, you know, I, I used to date this this lady and uh yeah yeah but or they'll be like my wife is is such a you know and then they'll, they'll go into a story when in reality their wife isn't that person they're just using it to kind of tie the whole thing together so you know what i mean uh lots of comedians they they kind of make up the story in order to tell the jokes that they need to tell there's a there's a fake backstory to everything but they make it seem like that's their real life well the way this guy presents his comedy a lot of people could take it and perceive it the exact same way. He's just kind of observing things and, you know, putting it all out there. And, you know, the way he presents it is funny, but what I want you to do as a listener today is, yes, be entertained by the comedy. Be entertained by the way he delivers his comedy. But think about what he's saying, specifically what he's saying. You can chuckle, you can laugh, you can do whatever, but I want you to really think about what he's saying, because what he's saying, there's a lot of truth to it. So, the reason I'm doing this episode is because the last uh, handful of weeks, we've uh, we've hit on some pretty, um, pretty dirty topics, I'd say. Some big conspiracy, uh, we're getting deep down the rabbit hole, um, and I want to make it a little bit lighter, but at the same time deliver a message and there's no way I could deliver the message so I figured I'll just have uh, have a comedian do it a comedian that delivered a message his whole life through his comedy and uh, I think a lot everybody's going to know who this guy is once you hear his voice you're going to know and um, <clears throat> you're going to you're, you're going to you're going to remember the stuff, and uh, but I, I really just wanted a message to be put out there, and I don't want everybody to just think, oh, this is just a, a fun little, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's remembering him. It is remembering him, uh, but what he talked about was really eye-opening, but it was, it was kind of hidden within comedy, and sometimes comedy isn't taken seriously if that makes any sense. Um, so hopefully you kind of get my drift. I don't know, maybe I didn't say it right, but I do my best. So um, have a listen to today's episode. Kind of, you know, try and think about what he says. Beyond the humorous ways he delivers it and the humorous observations given within what he's saying, actually think about what he's saying because it should be eye-opening and by the end of this episode you should kind of uh there's a running theme here with all these think tank podcasts and that is if he's saying something look into it don't just go off of what he says or go off what Dave and I talk about, or whoever else has ever been on a think tank and we're talking about something. Look into it for yourself. Do the research. And, uh, 
Yeah, it's eye-opening. That's for sure. So, without further ado, please enjoy the comedy stylings of George Carlin. <laughs> Freedom of speech, motherfucker. Okay. Something for the kids. Step in the club smoothly with the L in my hand. Bitches know that I'm a freak, like the elephant man. Intelligent plans, fuck a record deal. I want development land with my benevolent clan. And that's the reason that I only trust my fam. 40,000 records sold, 400 grand. Fuck them, little man, I won't pay anyone else. I'll bootleg it and sell it to the streets myself. I'd rather be that than sign it stuck on a shelf. And because of this, executives try to diss me. Racism frozen in time like Walt Disney. And now they say they want to get me signed to the majors. If I switch up my politics and change my behavior huh. Trying to tell me what the rhyme about Over the beat Bitch niggas that never spent a day in the street But I repeat that Nobody can hold my reins I put the truth on tracks Niggas simple and plain I guess to America, I'm a disaster oh, no. A slave that was destined to own his masters Independent in every single sense of the word I say what I want, you fucking little sensitive herb This is America, I thought we had freedom of speech But now you wanna try to control the way that I speak And O'Reilly, you think you a patriot? You ain't nothing but a motherfucking racist bitch Full of hatred, pressing a button, trying to eject me But I don't got no motherfucking deal with Pepsi No corporate sponsor telling me what to do Asking me to tone it down during the interview to minimize the issue, but I'm keeping it large I love the place I live, but I hate the people in charge Speaking is hard when you got strings attached So I'ma say it for you, cause I don't got none of that And if you didn't understand what I spit at your brain hey, yo, son, let this little nigga explain Come on, son, y'all niggas know the way that I do. ImmortalTechnique.com live for you. And I know sometimes it be making you nervous. The way I smash puppet rappers that belong in a circus. You motherfuckers just can't compare. Looking for a fan base that's no longer there. I know that you're scared and you're hiding up in the cut. But this is freedom of speech, nigga. Tell them what's up. Word, nigga. Fuck John Ashcroft. Nigga, fuck Fox News. Fuck those snake-ass bitches trying to manipulate your opinion, telling you what to think. Word the fuck up, nigga. Like, we invading niggas because we want to free them. You racist motherfucker. You don't give a shit about those people. You can suck my dick. <laughs> relax, tech, relax. Another rum and coke at the bar, nigga. It's my day off. Word up. Fuck. For the kids. Ah, for the kids. Ah. <laughs> Tell you what. Now, to balance the scale, I'd like to talk about some things that bring us together. Things that point out our similarities instead of our differences. Because that's all you ever hear about in this country is our differences. That's all the media and the politicians are ever talking about, the things that separate us, things that make us different from one another. That's the way the ruling class operates in any society. They try to divide the rest of the people. They keep the lower and the middle classes fighting with each other so that they, the rich, can run off with all the fucking money. Fairly simple thing happens to work. 
You know, anything different, that's what they're going to talk about. Race, religion, ethnic and national background, jobs, income, education, social status, sexuality, anything you can do, keep us fighting with each other so that they can keep going to the bank. You know how I describe the economic and social classes in this country? The upper class keeps all of the money, pays none of the taxes. The middle class pays all of the taxes, does all of the work. The poor are there just to scare the shit out of the middle class. <laughs> Keep them showing up at those jobs. So, so stirring up the shit is something I like to do from time to time, but I also like to know that I can come back to these little things we have in common, little universal moments that we share separately, the things that make us the same. They're so small we hardly ever talk about them. Did you ever look at your watch? And then you don't know what time it is. <laughs> and you have to look again. And you still don't know the time. So you look a third time and somebody says, what time is it? You say, I don't know. <laughs> Do you ever notice how sometimes all day Wednesday, you keep thinking it's Thursday? <laughs> and it happens over and over all day long. And then the next day, you're all right again. Do you ever find yourself standing in one of the rooms in your house and you can't remember why you went in there? And two words float across your mind, Alzheimer's disease. You ever been talking to yourself and somebody comes in the room and you have to make believe you were singing? And you hope to God the other person really believes there's a song called What Does She Think I Am? Some Kind of Putz? <laughs> Little experiences we've all had. You ever been sitting in a railroad train in a station and there's another train sitting right next to you and one of them starts to move and you can't tell which one it is? But when you're out on a small boat on a windy day, you ever been out rocking back and forth for three or four hours trying to keep your balance, rough seas, little boat, then you get back into the shore and you're standing on the dock and you can swear there was something inside of you that was still out there rocking. <laughs> Did you ever try to pick up a suitcase you thought was full, but it wasn't? And you go, Doo? and for just a split second you feel really strong. How about when you're looking through a chain link fence? Did you ever notice if you're just the right distance from a chain link fence, sometimes it seems to go... What is that? How do they do that? Did you ever try to tell somebody they have a little bit of dirt on their face? You can never get them to rub the right spot, can you? Say, you got a little bit of dirt right here. They always go, we're here! And you just want to slap the bastard. <laughs> Do you ever notice how awful your face looks in a mirror in a restroom that has fluorescent lights? <laughs> Every cut, scrape, scratch, scar, scab, bruise, boil, bump, pimple, zip, wart, welt, and abscess you've had since birth. All seem to come back at the same time. And all you can think of is, I gotta get the fuck out of here! Did 
you ever notice sometimes when you're walking with your arm around your date, one of you has to change the way you're walking? <laughs> Men and women don't walk the same. One of them has to change. Either the man has to walk like this. Or the woman has to walk like this. Joey, how are you? How about when you're going up a flight of stairs and you think there's one more step? And you go... And then you have to kind of keep doing that, you know? So people will think it's something you do all the time. I do this all the time. It's the third stage of syphilis. <laughs> Same thing happens when you're going down the stairs. You could swear there was one more step. <laughs> Holy shit. My hips are in my chest. When you drink grapefruit juice in the morning, do you go like this? I do too. Why do we drink it? It's like ice cream throat. You know when you've been eating ice cream too fast and you get that frozen spot in the back of your throat, but you can't do anything about it because you can't reach it to rub it? You just have to kind of wait for it to go away. And it does. Then what do you do? Eat more ice cream! What are we, fucking stupid? <laughs> Do you ever fall asleep on a late afternoon and wake up after dark and you don't know what goddamn day it is? <laughs> like when you have your head on the pillow. Do you ever notice when you have your head on the pillow, if you close the, if you close the bottom eye, the pillow is down there. <laughs> Then if you switch eyes, the pillow moves up there. Whoa, holy shit, Dave, look at this. The mystery of the moving pillow. I think it's related to the chain link fence mystery myself. Mm -hmm. Do you ever have to sneeze while you're taking a piss? It's frightening, isn't it? It's frightening because actually you can't do it. It's physically impossible to sneeze while pissing. Your brain won't let it happen. Your brain says, stop pissing! We're going to sneeze now! Because your brain knows you might blow your asshole out. In an earlier book, Brain Droppings, I wrote some things about politically correct language, but I left out a few areas. I neglected three important groups of people who have had this awkward, dishonest language inflicted on them by liberals. I omitted those who are crippled, ugly, or stupid. And so, to address these earlier omissions, I'd like to make a brief return visit to that playground of guilty white liberals, political correctness. Political correctness is America's newest form of intolerance, and it's especially pernicious because it comes disguised as tolerance. It presents itself as fairness, yet attempts to restrict and control people's language with strict codes and rigid rules. 
I'm not sure that's the way to fight discrimination. I'm not sure silencing people or forcing them to alter their speech is the best method for solving problems that go much deeper than speech. Therefore, those among you who are more politically sensitive than the rest of us may wish to take a moment here to tighten up those sphincter muscles, because I'm going to inject a little realism into the dream world of politically correct speech, especially the words we use to describe one another. Perhaps you've noticed that when the politically correct liberal rule makers decide to rename a group of humans they view as victims, they begin by imparting a sense of shame to the group's existing name. And so somewhere over the years, the word cripple has been discarded. No one mentions cripples anymore. That's because in yet another stunning attempt to stand reality on its head, cripples have been assigned a new designation, the physically challenged. The use of physically challenged is an obvious attempt to make people feel better. The idea being, as long as we can't cure these people, let's give their condition a more positive name and maybe it'll distract everyone. It's verbal sleight of hand. The same is true of the ungainly phrase, differently abled. I believe that if a person is going to insist on using tortured language, such as differently abled, then he should be forced to use it to describe everyone. We're all differently abled. You can do things I can't do. I can do things you can't do. Barry Bonds can't play the cello. Yo-Yo Ma can't hit the curveball. They're differently abled. It should be explained to liberals, patiently, that crippled people don't require some heroic designation. It's a perfectly honorable condition. It appears in the Bible. Jesus healed the cripples. He didn't engage in rehabilitative strategies to improve the conditions of the physically disadvantaged. Can't these liberals hear how unattractive this language is, how poorly it sits on the ear? Personally, I prefer plain, descriptive language. For instance, and this is a suggestion that will bother some people, but I'm serious about it. Why don't we just call handicapped people defective? You know, we don't mind talking about birth defects. We don't flinch from that. We say Gunther has a birth defect. Isn't that a concession to the fact that people can be defective? Then what would be wrong with calling those people the physically defective? At what point in life does a person with a birth defect become a person who is differently abled? And why does it happen? I'm confused. Then there are those who don't quite measure up to society's accepted standards of physical attractiveness. The worst of that group are called ugly, or at least they used to be. The PC lingo cops have been working on this, too. And to demonstrate how far all this politically correct evasive language has gone, some psychologists are actually now referring to ugly people as those with severe appearance deficits. Okay? Severe appearance deficits. So tell me, psychologist, how well does that sort of language qualify for being in denial? These allegedly well-intentioned people have strayed so far from reality that it will not be a surprise for me to someday hear a rape victim referred to as an unwilling sperm recipient. Back to ugly. Regarding people's appearance, the political language police already have in place one comically distorted term, lookism. They say that when you judge a person, or rather size them up, wouldn't want to judge someone, that would be judgmental. If you take their looks into account, you're guilty of lookism. You're a lookist. 
and those valiant people who fight lookism, many of them unattractive themselves, tell us that one problem is that in our society those who get to be called beautiful and those who are called ugly are determined by standards arbitrarily set by us. Somehow there's some fault attached to the idea that we, the people, are the ones who set the standards of beauty. Well, we're the ones who have to look at one another, so why shouldn't we be the ones who set the standards? I'm confused. I would say the whole thing was stupid, but that's my next topic, and it would sound like a cheap transition. So, stupid. It's important to face one thing about stupidity. We can't get away from it. It's all around us. It doesn't take a team of professional investigators to discover that there are stupid people in the world. Their presence and its effects speaks for itself. But where do these stupid people come from? Well, they come from American schools. But while they're attending these schools, they're never identified as stupid. That comes later, when they grow up. When they're kids, you can't call them stupid, which may be contributing to the problem. Unfortunately, kids, stupid or otherwise, come under a sort of protective umbrella we've established that prevents them from being exposed to the real world until at 18 their parents spring them on the rest of us, full-grown. There are stupid kids. And I do wish to be careful how I negotiate the minefield of the learning disabled and the developmentally disadvantaged, in other words, those with special needs, all of these being more examples of this tiresome and ridiculous language. I just want to talk about kids who are stupid, not the ones with dings. One of the terms now used to describe these stupid kids is minimally exceptional. Can you handle that? Minimally exceptional. Whatever happened to the old reliable explanation, the boy is slow. Was that so bad? Really? The boy is slow. Some of the other children are quick. They think quickly. Not this boy. He's slow. It seems humane enough to me, but no, he's minimally exceptional. How would you like to be told that about your child? He's minimally exceptional. Oh, thank God for that. We thought he was just kind of, I don't know, slow. But minimally exceptional, wow. Wait till I tell our friends. Political correctness cripples discourse, creates ugly language, and is generally stupid. I haven't quite finished this section. I'm sure I needn't remind you PC people that the opera isn't concluded until the full-figured woman offers her vocal rendering. I know, I really had to strain to get that in. I'm thoroughly ashamed. But before I leave this section, I wanted to make the point that on a practical level, this language renders completely useless at least one perfectly good expression. In the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king, becomes, in the kingdom of the visually impaired, the partially sighted person is fully empowered. Sad, isn't it? Now I probably got some other group pissed off at me because I said fruit. There's a different group to get pissed off at you in this country for everything you're not supposed to say. Can't say fruit, can't say faggot, can't say queer, can't say Nancy boy, can't say pansy. Can't say nigger, boogie, jig, jigaboo, skinhead, jungle bunny, mooly, moulinyan, or schwatzer. Can't say yid, heeb, zeeb, kike, maki, uh, dago, guinea, wop, ginzo, greaser, greaseball, spick, beaner, oye, tiger, pr, mick, 
Donkey, turkey, limey, frog, squarehead, kraut, jerry, hun, chink, jack, nip, slope, slopehead, zip, zipperhead, gook. There is absolutely nothing wrong. There is absolutely nothing wrong with any of those words in and of themselves. They're only words. It's the context that counts. It's the user. It's the intention behind the words that makes them good or bad. The words are completely neutral. The words are innocent. I get tired of people talking about bad words and bad language. Bullshit. It's the context that makes them good or bad. The context that makes them good or bad. For instance, you take the word nigger. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the word nigger in and of itself. It's the racist asshole who's using it that you ought to be concerned about. We don't care when Richard Pryor or Eddie Murphy say it. Why? Because we know they're not racist. They're niggers. <laughs> Context. Context. We don't mind their context because we know they're black. Hey, I know I'm Whitey the Blue-Eyed Devil, Patty O'Fay, Gray Boy, Honky Motherfucker myself. Don't bother my ass. They're only words. You can't be afraid of words that speak the truth. Even if it's an unpleasant truth, like the fact that there's a bigot and a racist in every living room on every street corner in this country. I don't like words that hide the truth. I don't like words that conceal reality. I don't like euphemisms or euphemistic language. And American English is loaded with euphemisms because Americans have a lot of trouble dealing with reality. Americans have trouble facing the truth. So they invent the kind of a soft language to protect themselves from it. And it gets worse with every generation. For some reason, it just keeps getting worse. I'll give you an example of that. There's a condition in combat most people know about it. It's when a fighting person's nervous system has been stressed to its absolute peak and maximum, can't take any more input. The nervous system has either snapped or is about to snap. In the First World War, that condition was called shell shock. Simple, honest, direct language. Two syllables, shell shock. Almost sounds like the guns themselves. That was 70 years ago. Then a whole generation went by, and the Second World War came along, and we, the very same combat condition was called battle fatigue. Four syllables now. Takes a little longer to say. Doesn't seem to hurt as much. Fatigue is a nicer word than shock. Shell shock. Battle fatigue. <laughs> then we had the war in Korea, 1950. Madison Avenue was riding high by that time, and the very same combat condition was called operational exhaustion. <laughs> hey, we're up to eight syllables now. And the humanity has been squeezed completely out of the phrase. It's totally sterile now. Operational exhaustion. Sounds like something that might happen to your car. <laughs> then, of course, came the war in Vietnam, which has only been over for about 16 or 17 years. And thanks to the lies and deceit surrounding that war, I guess it's no surprise that the very same condition was called post-traumatic stress disorder. Still eight syllables, but we've added a hyphen. And the pain is completely buried under jargon. Post-traumatic stress disorder. I'll bet you, if we'd have still been calling it shell shock, some of those Vietnam veterans might have gotten the attention they needed at the time. I'll bet you that. I'll bet you that.
But, but it didn't happen. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons is because we were using that soft language, that language that takes the life out of life. And it is a function of time. It does keep getting worse. I'll give you another example. Sometime during my life, sometime during my life, toilet paper became bathroom tissue. I wasn't notified of this. No one asked me if I agreed with it. It just happened. Toilet paper became bathroom tissue. Sneakers became running shoes. False teeth became dental appliances. Medicine became medication. Information became directory assistance. The dump became the landfill. Car crashes became automobile accidents. Partly cloudy became partly sunny. Motels became motor lodges. House trailers became mobile homes. Used cars became previously owned transportation. <laughs> room service became guest room dining. And constipation became occasional irregularity. <laughs> when I was a little kid, if I got sick, they wanted me to go to the hospital and see the doctor. Now they want me to go to a health maintenance organization or a wellness center to consult a health care delivery professional. Poor people used to live in slums. Now the economically disadvantaged occupy substandard housing in the inner cities. <laughs> and they're broke. They're broke. They don't have a negative cash flow position. They're fucking broke. Because a lot of them were fired. You know, fired. Management wanted to curtail redundancies in the human resources area. So many people are no longer viable members of the workforce. Smug, greedy, well-fed white people have invented a language to conceal their sins. It's as simple as that. The CIA doesn't kill anybody anymore. They neutralize people. <laughs> or they depopulate the area. The government doesn't lie. It engages in disinformation. The Pentagon actually measures nuclear radiation in something they call sunshine units. Israeli murderers are called commandos. Arab commandos are called terrorists. Contra killers are called freedom fighters. Well, if crime fighters fight crime and firefighters fight fire, what do freedom fighters fight? They never mention that part of it to us, do they? Never mention that part of it. And... And some of this stuff is just silly. We know, we all know that. Like on the airlines, they say they want to pre-board. Well, what the hell is pre-board? What does that mean? To get on before you get on? <laughs> they say they're going to pre-board those passengers in need of special assistance. Cripples! <laughs> Simple, honest, direct language. There's no shame attached to the word cripple that I can find in any dictionary. No shame attached to it. In fact, it's a word used in Bible translations. Jesus healed the cripples. Doesn't take seven words to describe that condition. But we don't have any cripples in this country anymore. We have the physically challenged. Is that a grotesque enough evasion for you? How about differently abled? I've heard them call that differently abled. You can't even call these people handicapped anymore. They'll say, we're not handicapped, we're handicapable. <laughs> these poor people have been bullshitted by the system into believing that if you change the name of the condition, somehow you'll change the condition. Doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. 
We have no more deaf people in this country, hearing impaired. No one's blind anymore, partially sighted or visually impaired. We have no more stupid people. Everybody has a learning disorder. <laughs> or he's minimally exceptional. How would you like to be told that about your child? He's minimally exceptional. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> Psychologists actually have started calling ugly people those with severe appearance deficits. It's getting so bad that any day now I expect to hear a rape victim referred to as an unwilling sperm recipient. You got people like this around you, country's full of them now. People walking around all day long, every minute of the day, worried about everything. Worried about the air, worried about the water, worried about the soil. Worried about insecticides, pesticides, food additives, carcinogens. Worried about radon gas, worried about asbestos. Worried about saving endangered species. Let me tell you about endangered species, all right? Saving endangered species is just one more arrogant attempt by humans to control nature. It's arrogant meddling. It's what got us in trouble in the first place. Doesn't anybody understand that? Interfering with nature. Over 90%, over, way over, 90% of all the species that have ever lived on this planet, ever lived, are gone. They're extinct. We didn't kill them all. They just disappeared. That's what nature does. They disappear these days at the rate of 25 a day. And I mean regardless of our, our behavior. Irrespective of how we act on this planet, 25 species that were here today will be gone tomorrow. Let them go gracefully. Leave nature alone. Haven't we done enough? We're so self-important. So self-important. Everybody's going to save something now. Save the trees, save the bees, save the whales, save those snails. <laughs> and the greatest arrogance of all, save the planet. What? Are these fucking people kidding me? <laughs> save the planet? We don't even know how to take care of ourselves yet. We haven't learned how to care for one another. We're going to save the fucking planet? I'm getting tired of that shit. Tired of that shit. Tired. I'm tired of fucking Earth Day. I'm tired of these self-righteous environmentalists, these white bourgeois liberals who think the only thing wrong with this country is there aren't enough bicycle paths. People trying to make the world safe for their Volvos. Besides, environmentalists don't give a shit about the planet. They don't care about the planet. Not in the abstract, they don't. Not in the abstract, they don't. You know what they're interested in? A clean place to live their own habitat. They're worried that someday in the future they might be personally inconvenienced. Narrow, unenlightened self-interest doesn't impress me. Besides, there is nothing wrong with the planet. Nothing wrong with the planet. The planet is fine. The people are fucked. <laughs> Difference. Difference. The planet is fine. Compared to the people, the planet is doing great. It's been here four and a half billion years. Did you ever think about the arithmetic? planet has been here four and a half billion years. We've been here, what, 100,000? Maybe 200,000? And we've only been engaged in heavy industry for a little over 200 years. 200 years versus four and a half billion. And we have the conceit to think that somehow we're a threat? That somehow we're going to put in jeopardy this beautiful little blue-green ball that's just a-floating around the sun? The planet has been through a lot worse than us. Been through all kinds of things worse than us. 
Been through earthquakes, volcanoes, plate tectonics, continental drift, solar flares, sunspots, magnetic storms, the magnetic reversal of the poles, hundreds of thousands of years of bombardment by comets and asteroids and meteors, worldwide floods, tidal waves, worldwide fires, erosion, cosmic rays, recurring ice ages, and we think some plastic bags and some aluminum cans are going to make a difference? The planet... The planet... The planet isn't going anywhere. We are. We're going away. Pack your shit, folks. We're going away. And we won't leave much of a trace either. Thank God for that. Maybe a little styrofoam. Maybe. Little styrofoam. Planet will be here and we'll be long gone. Just another failed mutation. Just another closed-end biological mistake. An evolutionary cul-de-sac. The planet will shake us off like a bad case of fleas. A surface nuisance. You want to know how the planet's doing? Ask those people at Pompeii who are frozen into position from volcanic ash how the planet's doing. Wonder if the planet's all right? Ask those people in Mexico City or Armenia or a hundred other places buried under thousands of tons of earthquake rubble if they feel like a threat to the planet this week. <laughs> How about those people in Kilauea, Hawaii who build their homes right next to an active volcano and then wonder why they have lava in the living room? <laughs> the planet will be here for a long, long, long time after we're gone and it will heal itself it will cleanse itself because that's what it does it's a self-correcting system the air and the water will recover the earth will be renewed and if it's true that plastic is not degradable well the planet will simply incorporate plastic into a new paradigm the earth plus plastic <laughs> the earth doesn't share our prejudice towards plastic plastic came out of the earth the earth probably sees plastic as just another one of its children could be the only reason the earth allowed us to be spawned from it in the first place. It wanted plastic for itself. <laughs> Didn't know how to make it. Needed us. Could be the answer to our age-old philosophical question, why are we here? Plastic. Assholes. So. So. The plastic is here. Our job is done. We can be phased out now. And I think that's really started already, don't you? I mean, to be fair, the planet probably sees us as a mild threat, something to be dealt with. And I'm sure the planet will defend itself in, in, in the uh, manner of a large organism, like a beehive or an ant colony can muster a defense. I'm sure the planet will think of something. What would you do if you were the planet trying to defend against this pesky, troublesome species? Let's see. What might... Hmm. Viruses. Viruses might be good. They seem vulnerable to viruses. And uh, viruses are tricky, always mutating and forming new strains whenever a vaccine is developed. Perhaps this first virus could be one... That, that compromises the immune system of these creatures, perhaps a human immunodeficiency virus, making them vulnerable to all sorts of other diseases and infections that might come along. And maybe it could be spread sexually, making them a little reluctant to engage in the act of reproduction. Well, that's a poetic note. And it's a start. And I can dream, can I? So I don't worry about the little things. Bees, trees, whales, snails. I think we're part of a greater wisdom than we will ever understand. A higher order. Call it what you want. Know what I call it? The big electron.
the big electron. Whoa. 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 It doesn't punish. It doesn't reward. It doesn't judge at all. It just is. And so are we. For a little while. Thanks for being here with me for a little while tonight. Thank you. I've been out here all this time, and I haven't been complaining about anything yet, so I think it's time to go into the complaint department. This is just a series of things that are pissing me off, okay? A series of things that are pissing me off, because I don't have pet peeves. I have major psychotic fucking hatreds, okay? And it makes the world a lot easier to sort out. First thing on my list tonight, airport security. Tired of this shit. There's too much of it. There's too much security at the airport. I'm tired of some guy with a double-digit IQ and a triple-digit income rooting around inside of my bag for no reason and never finding anything. Haven't found anything yet. Haven't found one bomb in one bag. And don't tell me, well, the terrorists know their bags are going to be searched, so now they're leaving their bombs at home. There are no bombs. The whole thing is fucking pointless. And it's completely without logic. There's no logic at all. They'll take away a gun, but let you keep a knife. Well, what the fuck is that? In fact, there's a whole list of lethal objects they will allow you to take on board. Theoretically, you could take a knife, an ice pick, a hatchet, a straight razor, a pair of scissors, a chainsaw, six knitting needles, and a broken whiskey bottle, and the only thing they're going to say to you is that bag has to fit all the way under the seat in front of you. And if you didn't take a weapon on board, relax. After you've been flying for about an hour, they're going to bring you a knife and fork. They actually give you a fucking knife. It's only a table knife, but you could kill a pilot with a table knife. Might take you a couple of minutes, you know. Especially if he's hefty, huh? Yeah, but you could get the job done if you really wanted to kill the prick. Shit, there's a lot of things you could use to kill a guy with. You could probably beat a guy to death with the Sunday New York Times, couldn't you? Or, suppose you just had really big hands. Couldn't you strangle a flight attendant? Shit, you could probably strangle two of them, one with each hand. You know, if you were lucky enough to catch them in that little kitchen area. Before they give out the fucking peanuts, you know? But you could get the job done, if you really cared enough. So why is it they allow a man with big, powerful hands to get on board an airplane? I'll tell you why. They know he's not a security risk because he's already answered the three big questions. Question number one. Did you pack your bags yourself? No. Carrot Top packed my bags. He... He and Martha Stewart and Florence Henderson came over to the house last night fixed me a lovely lobster Newberg, gave me a full body massage with sacred oils from India, performed a four-way around the world, and then they packed my bags. Next question. Have your bags been in your possession the whole time? No. Usually the night before I travel, just as the moon is rising... I place my suitcases out on the street corner and leave them there unattended for several hours. Just for good luck. Next question. 
Has any unknown person asked you to take anything on board? Hmm. Well, what exactly is an unknown person? Surely everyone is known to someone. In fact, just this morning, Kareem and Youssef Ali Ben Gaba seemed to know each other quite well. They kept joking about which one of my suitcases was the heaviest. And that's another thing they don't like at the airport, jokes. You know? Yeah, you can't joke about a bomb. Well, why is it just jokes? What about a riddle? How about a limerick? How about a bomb anecdote? You know, no punchline, just a really cute story. Or suppose you intended the remark, not as a joke, but as an ironic musing. Are they prepared to make that distinction? Why, I think not. And besides, who's to say what's funny? Airport security is a stupid idea, it's a waste of money, and it's only there for one reason, to make white people feel safe. That's all. The illusion. The feeling and illusion of safety. Because the authorities know they can't make an airplane completely safe. Too many people have access. You'll notice the drug smugglers don't seem to have a lot of trouble getting their little packages on board, do they? No, and God bless them too. And by the way, an airplane flight shouldn't be completely safe. You need a little danger in your life. Take a fucking chance once in a while, will you? What are you going to do? Play with your prick for another 30 years? What are you going to read People magazine and eat at Wendy's till the end of time? Take a fucking chance. Besides, even if they made all of the airplanes completely safe, the terrorists would simply start bombing other places that are crowded. Porn shops, crack houses, titty bars, and gangbangs. You know, entertainment venues. The odds of you being killed by a terrorist are practically zero. So I say relax and enjoy the show. You have to be a realist. You have to be realistic about terrorism. Certain groups of people, certain groups, Muslim fundamentalists, Christian fundamentalists, Jewish fundamentalists, and just plain guys from Montana are going to continue to make life in this country very interesting for a long, long time. That's the reality. Angry men in combat fatigues talking to God on a two-way radio and muttering incoherent slogans about freedom are eventually going to provide us with a great deal of entertainment. Especially after your stupid fucking economy collapses all around you and the terrorists come out of the woodwork and you'll have anthrax in your water supply and sarin gas in your air conditioner there'll be chemical and biological suitcase bombs in every city and I say enjoy it relax enjoy the show take a fucking chance put a little fun in your life to me terrorism is exciting it's exciting I think the very idea that you can set off a bomb in a marketplace and kill several hundred people is exciting and stimulating and I see it as a form of entertainment entertainment that's all it is yeah. But, but I also know that most Americans are soft and frightened and unimaginative and they don't realize there's such a thing as dangerous fun. And they certainly don't recognize a good show when they see one. I have always been willing to put myself at great personal risk for the sake of entertainment. And I've always been willing to put you at great personal risk for the same reason. 
As far as I'm concerned, all of this airport security, all the searches, the screenings, the cameras, the questions, it's just one more way of reducing your liberty and reminding you that they can fuck with you any time they want. As long as you put up with it. As long as you put up with it. But in the bullshit department, in the bullshit department, a businessman can't hold a candle to a clergyman. Because I got to tell you the truth, folks. I got to tell you the truth. When it comes to bullshit, big time, major league bullshit, you have to stand in awe. In awe of the all-time champion of false promises and exaggerated claims, religion. No contest. No contest. Religion. Religion easily has the greatest bullshit story ever told. Think about it. Religion has actually convinced people that there's an invisible man living in the sky who watches everything you do every minute of every day. And the invisible man has a special list of ten things he does not want you to do. And if you do any of these ten things, he has a special place full of fire and smoke and burning and torture and anguish where he will send you to live and suffer and burn and choke and scream and cry forever and ever till the end of time. But he loves you. He loves you. He loves you and he needs money. He always needs money. He's all-powerful, all-perfect, all-knowing, and all-wise. Somehow, just can't handle money. Religion takes in billions of dollars, they pay no taxes, and they always need a little more. Now, you talk about a good bullshit story. Holy shit. Thank you very much. But I want you to know, I want you to know something. This is sincere. I want you to know, when it comes to believing in God, I really tried. I really, really tried. I tried to believe that there is a God who created each of us in his own image and likeness, loves us very much, and keeps a close eye on things. I really tried to believe that, but I got to tell you, the longer you live, the more you look around, the more you realize something is fucked up. Something is wrong here. War, disease, death, destruction, hunger, filth, poverty, torture, crime, corruption, and the ice capades. <laughs> Something is definitely wrong. This is not good work. If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Results like these do not belong in the resume of a supreme being. This is the kind of shit you'd expect from an office temp with a bad attitude. <laughs> and just between you and me, in between you and me, in any decently run universe, this guy would have been out on his all-powerful ass a long time ago. And by the way, I say this guy because I firmly believe, looking at these results, that if there is a God, it has to be a man. No woman could or would ever fuck things up like this. So, so, if, if, if there is a God, if there is, I think most reasonable people might agree that he's at least incompetent and maybe, just maybe, doesn't give a shit. <laughs> the 
person. Who give a shit. Which I admire in a person and which would explain a lot of these bad results. So rather than be just another mindless religious robot, mindlessly and, and aimlessly and blindly believing that all of this is in the hands of some spooky incompetent father figure who doesn't give a shit, I decided to look around for something else to worship. Something I could really count on. And immediately I thought of the sun. Happened like that. Overnight I became a sun worshiper. Well, not overnight, you can't see the sun at night. But first thing the next morning. I became a sun worshiper. Several reasons. First of all, I can see the sun. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Unlike some other gods I could mention, I can actually see the sun. I'm big on that. If I can see something, I don't know, kind of helps the credibility along, you know? So every day I can see the sun as it gives me everything I need. Heat, light, food, flowers in the park, reflections on the lake. An occasional skin cancer, but hey, at least there are no crucifixions and we're not setting people on fire simply because they don't agree with us. Sun worship is fairly simple. There's no mystery, no miracles, no pageantry, no one asks for money, there are no songs to learn, and we don't have a special building where we all gather once a week to compare clothing. And the best thing, the best thing about the sun, it never tells me I'm unworthy. Doesn't tell me I'm a bad person who needs to be saved. Hadn't said an unkind word. Treats me fine. So, I worship the sun. But, I don't pray to the sun. Know why? I wouldn't presume on our friendship. It's not polite. I've often thought people treat God rather rudely, don't you? Asking help. Trillions and trillions of prayers every day. Asking and pleading and begging for favors. Do this, give me that, I need a new car, I want a better job. And most of this praying takes place on Sunday, his day off. It's not nice, and it's no way to treat a friend. But people do pray, and they pray for a lot of different things. You know, your sister needs an operation on her crotch. Your, your brother was arrested for defecating in a mall. But most of all, you'd really like to fuck that hot little redhead down at the convenience store. You know, the one with the eye patch and the club foot, huh? Can you pray for that? I think you'd have to. And I say, fine, pray for anything you want. Pray for anything. But what about the divine plan? Remember that? The divine plan. Long time ago, God made a divine plan. Gave it a lot of thought, decided it was a good plan, put it into practice. And for billions and billions of years, the divine plan has been doing just fine. Now you come along and pray for something. Well, suppose the thing you want isn't in God's divine plan. What do you want him to do? Change his plan? Just for you? Doesn't it seem a little arrogant? It's a divine plan. What's the use of being God if every rundown schmuck with a $2 prayer book can come along and fuck up your plan? <laughs> and here's something else, another problem you might have. Suppose your prayers aren't answered. What do you say? Well, it's God's will. Thy will be done. Fine, but if it's God's will and he's going to do what he wants to anyway, why the fuck bother praying in the first place? <laughs> Seems like a big waste of time to me. Couldn't you just skip the praying part and go right to his will? It's all very confusing. So to get around a lot of this, I decided to worship the sun. But as I said, I don't pray to the sun. You know who I pray to? Joe Pesci. <laughs> Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Two reasons. First of all, I think he's a good actor, okay? To me, that counts. Second, he looks like a guy who can get things done. 
Joe Pesci doesn't fuck around. Doesn't fuck around. In fact, in fact, Joe Pesci came through on a couple of things that God was having trouble with. For years, I asked God to do something about my noisy neighbor with the barking dog. Joe Pesci straightened that cocksucker out with one visit. It's amazing what you can accomplish with a simple baseball bat. So I've been praying to Joe for about a year now. And I noticed something. I noticed that all the prayers I used to offer to God and all the prayers I now offer to Joe Pesci are being answered at about the same 50% rate. Half the time I get what I want, half the time I don't. Same as God, 50-50. Same as the four-leaf clover in the horseshoe, the wishing well in the rabbit's foot. Same as the mojo man. Same as the voodoo lady who tells you your fortune by squeezing the goat's testicles. It's all the same, 50-50. So just pick your superstitions, sit back, make a wish, and enjoy yourself. And for those of you who look to the Bible for moral uh, lessons and literary qualities, I might suggest a couple of other stories for you. Uh, you might want to look at the Three Little Pigs. That's a good one. Has a nice, happy ending. I'm sure you'll like that. Then there's Little Red Riding Hood, although it does have that X-rated part where the big bad wolf actually eats the grandmother, which I didn't care for, by the way. And finally, I've often always drawn a great deal of moral comfort from Humpty Dumpty. The part I like the best, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. That's because there is no Humpty Dumpty and there is no God. None, not one, no God, never was. In fact, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it this way. If there is a God, if there is a God, may he strike this audience dead. <laughs> See, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Everybody's okay. All right. Tell you what, tell you what, I'll raise the stakes, I'll raise the stakes a little bit. If there is a God, may he strike me dead. See, nothing happened, oh, wait, got a little cramp in my leg, and my balls hurt. Plus, I'm blind, I'm blind, oh, now I'm okay again, must have been Joe Pesci, huh? God bless Joe Pesci, thank you all very much, Joe bless you, thank you very much, I appreciate it. Rights. Boy, everyone in this country is always running around yammering about their fucking rights. I have a right. You have no right. We have a right. They don't have a right. Folks, I hate to spoil your fun, but there's no such thing as rights, okay? They're imaginary. We made them up. Like the boogeyman. <laughs> the three little pigs, Pinocchio, Mother Goose, shit like that. Rights are an idea. They're just imaginary. They're a cute idea. Cute. But that's all cute and fictional. But if you think you do have rights, let me ask you this. Where do they come from? People say, well, they come from God. They're God-given rights. Oh, fuck, here we go again. Here we go again. The God excuse. The last refuge of a man with no answers and no argument, it came from God. Anything we can't describe must have come from God. Personally, folks, I believe that if your rights came from God, he would have given you the right to some food every day, and he would have given you the right to a roof over your head. God would have been looking out for you. God would have been looking out for you. You know that? He wouldn't have been worried about making sure you have a gun so you can get drunk on Sunday night and kill your girlfriend's parents. But let's say it's true. Let's say God gave us these rights. Why would he give us a certain number of rights? 
The Bill of Rights in this country has ten stipulations, okay? Ten rights. And apparently God was doing sloppy work that week because we've had to amend the Bill of Rights an additional 17 times. So God forgot a couple of things like slavery. Just fucking slipped his mind. But let's say, let's say God gave us the original ten. He gave the British 13. The British Bill of Rights has 13 stipulations. The Germans have 29. The Belgians have 25. The Swedish have only six. And some people in the world have no rights at all. What kind of a fucking goddamn God-given deal is that? No rights at all? Why would God give different people in different countries different numbers of different rights? Boredom? Amusement? Bad arithmetic? Do we find out at long last, after all this time, that God is weak in math skills? Doesn't sound like divine planning to me. Sounds more like human planning. Sounds more like one group trying to control another group. In other words, business as usual in America. Now, if you think you do have rights, one last assignment for you. Next time you're at the computer, get on the Internet, go to Wikipedia. When you get to Wikipedia, in the search field for Wikipedia, I want you to type in Japanese Americans 1942, and you'll find out all about your precious fucking rights, okay? All right. You know about it. You know about it. Yeah. In 1942, there were 110,000 Japanese American citizens and good standing, law abiding people who were thrown into internment camps simply because their parents were born in the wrong country. That's all they did wrong. They had no right to a lawyer, no right to a fair trial, no right to a jury of their peers, no right to due process of any kind. The only right they had, right this way. <laughs> into the internment camps. Just when these American citizens needed their rights the most, their government took them away. And rights aren't rights if someone can take them away. They're privileges. That's all we've ever had in this country is a bill of temporary privileges. And if you read the news even badly, you know that every year the list gets shorter and shorter and shorter. Is it all similar? Yeah. Sooner or later, the people in this country are going to realize the government does not give a fuck about them. Government doesn't care about you or your children or your rights or your welfare or your safety. It simply doesn't give a fuck about you. It's interested in its own power. That's the only thing, keeping it and expanding it wherever possible. Personally, when it comes to rights, I think one of two things is true. I think either we have unlimited rights or we have no rights at all. Personally, I lean toward unlimited rights. I feel, for instance, I have the right to do anything I please. But if I do something you don't like, I think you have the right to kill me. So where are you going to find a fairer fucking deal than that? So the next time some asshole says to you, I have a right to my opinion, you say, oh yeah, well I have a right to my opinion, and my opinion is you have no right to your opinion. Then shoot the fuck and walk away. It's all bullshit, folks. It's all bullshit, and it's bad for you. Now, you wouldn't know it from some of the things I've said over the years, but I like people. I do. I like people, but I like them in short bursts. 
I don't like people for extended periods of time. I'm all right with them for a little while. But once you get up past around minute, minute and a half, I got to get the fuck out of there. And my reason for this, my reason is for one that you may share, possibly. I have a very low tolerance level for stupid bullshit. That's all. Stupid bullshit. Tell the truth, don't be bullshitting people. Like I say, there's enough bullshit as it is. There's enough bullshit as it is. In fact, there's just enough. Did you know that? There's just enough bullshit to hold things together in this country. Bullshit is the glue that binds us as a nation. Where would we be without our safe, familiar American bullshit? Land of the free, home of the brave, the American dream. All men are equal, justice is blind, the press is free. Your vote counts. <laughs> Business is honest, the good guys win. The police are on your side. God is watching you. Your standard of living will never decline. And everything is going to be just fine. The official national bullshit story. I call it the American okey-doke. Every one of those items is provably untrue at one level or another, but we believe them because they're pounded into our heads from the time we're children. That's what they do with that kind of stuff. They put it in the heads of kids. They pound it in there because kids, they know kids are too young to be able to mount a sophisticated argument against these kind of ideas. And so, uh, kids, and up to a certain age, by the way, kids are going to believe everything a grown-up tells them. Everything. So, they, so kids never learn to question things. Nobody questions things in this country anymore. Nobody questions things. Why? People are too fat and happy. People are way too fucking prosperous for their own good. Everyone's got a cell phone that'll make pancakes and rub their balls now, you know? <laughs> so, nobody wants, nobody wants to rock the boat. And people, people just, uh, gizmo, Americans have been silenced, bought off and silenced by gizmos and toys. And as a result, no one's ever learned to question things. No one questions things in this country. Anymore. No one questions things. Now, okay. You remember Barbara Bush? I call her the silver douchebag. You remember her? Okay. Barbara Bush. She is the mother of Governor George Bush. I call him Governor Bush because that's the only elected office he ever held legally in our country. Okay? George Bush, Governor Bush. Yeah. I don't care where they hang his portrait, I don't care how big his library is, he'll always be Governor Bush. I don't even capitalize his name when I type it anymore. So she's the mother of Governor George Bush, she's also the wife of his father, George H.W. Bush, who did become president in the normal, legal, traditional manner. And when he did, she came along for the ride as first lady and that's been the tradition up till now a man has been elected and the woman has come along for the ride as the first lady and usually as in american life in general the woman is condescended to patronized given something to do to keep her busy a lot of times they give her a charity or a cause something she can champion betty ford was told to drink remember that <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was Betty Ford's assignment. Betty, you get drunk and get totally fallen down, fucked up, shit-faced drunk, okay? You just get fucked up drunk, and we'll hose you down, baby. We'll hose you down. 
We'll put you in a facility, you'll get sober, and then we'll put your name in the facility, Liza Minnelli can get sober, and everything's going to be okay, right? That was her assignment. Barbara Bush's assignment was getting children to read. Remember that? Getting children to read. They figured she had had so much success with George. that she would be a natural to get children to read, which misses the point completely. Not important to get children to read. Children who want to read are going to read. Kids who want to learn to read are going to learn to read. Much more important to teach children to question what they read. Children should be taught to question everything, to question everything they read, everything they hear. Children should be taught to question authority. Parents never teach their children to question authority because Parents are authority figures themselves, and they don't want to undermine their own bullshit inside the household. So they stroke the kid, and the kid strokes them, and they all stroke each other, and they all grow up all fucked up, and they come to shows like this. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks, and it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They've got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies, so they control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars every year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested in that. That doesn't help them. That's against their interest. That's right. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table and figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your social security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. By the way, it's the same big club they used to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. 
Good, honest, hard-working people, white collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you at all. At all. At all. Yeah. You know? And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dick that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. If a criminal group can kill 3,000 of us in broad daylight and suspend the laws of physics and sell this to the people and launch illegal wars and kill over a million Iraqis and lie about WMDs in a premeditated fashion, none of us are safe because this same system is still in control whether we have George Bush, Barack Obama, or somebody like Rick Perry in three years in the White House. With invisible walls, the wicked zeitgeist of life Making grown men crawl on their knees Begging please save us from the boogeymen Funded by the CIA, funneled through Arabian banks Like a shank to the neck They hit you from the back, no sweat Ho check and watch it shake And take away your freedom, you really don't need them When you're tucked away safe and protected by FEMA Then you must be a dreamer like the great pretender As the second amendment, why I'll never surrender But I'll never plead the fifth when it comes to September I'ma yell it from the roof and expose the agenda yeah. Time to wake up and open your eyes To the matrix This is going out to the troopers and patriots Living free and dying hard Speaking through battle scars An army of one becomes a global resistance Time to wake up and open your eyes To the matrix This is going out to the troopers and patriots Living free and dying hard Speaking through battle scars An army of one becomes a global resistance Like I was chosen by God I was sent with a message To destroy the new world order And dispose of the wreckage I've been broken and tested Reconstructed, invested, injected with truth Now the truth has me restless Distressed and aggravated as I rally the masses Out to make you see what I see when I wear my sunglasses Watch me singing like a bee, but my name ain't Cash. When we confront the tyranny, give them 33 lashes Of truth for the youth, for the red, white, and blue Fuck the mark of the devil and the NAU Build a bird, CFR, keep your new world order We'll live as free men or we'll die as free soldiers It's time to wake up and open your eyes to the matrix This is going out to the troopers and patriots free and dying hard speaking through battle scars An army of one becomes a global resistance Time to wake up and open your eyes to the matrix This is going out to the troopers and patriots Living free and dying hard speaking through battle scars An army of one becomes a global resistance Let me tell you something, Lord, it's too late You can kill people like me You 
shut us down. He put us in prison. The people got to face the truth, and there's nothing on earth you can do to stop this information warfare migration. It's time to wake up and open your eyes to the matrix. This is going out to the troopers and patriots. Free and dying hearts speaking through battle scars. An army of one becomes a global resistance. It's time to wake up and open your eyes to the matrix. This is going out to the troopers and patriots. Free and dying hearts speaking through battle scars. An army of one becomes a global resistance. have it. I'm sure you enjoyed that. Who doesn't enjoy George, George Carlin, right? He's uh, he, he was a he was a comedy genius, at least in my opinion, he was. Um, uh, he's probably m- still to this day my favorite comedian um, because the way he presents everything, it just everything makes so much sense, and it, it's he's a flawless comedian, and everything he talks about. Well, I'd say not not everything. There's a lot of stuff he talks about that is literally just for humor purposes. But he does have a lot of good ideas, and he like, makes a lot of really good observations. And he tells it like it is. And I'm not going to get into all of this nonsense, but you know, there's been rumors in the past that he was killed for the things he talked about. I don't know if there's any validity to that. I don't have any interest in looking into it, per se, but if if you've heard these uh, rumors, these conspiracies, or whatever, or if you've got, if you've looked into it, or suspected it, or something like that, and you want, and, and you'd be curious for us to kind of break it down and look into it all, um, I'd be open to it, but me specifically, I'm not going that path and, and looking for it but I'm not opposed to it but I just I guess I don't want to do it if there's no interest in looking into it um, and there's a possibility I guess that that happened to him I don't know I, I like to think that that's not what happened that he kind of just died of old age and uh, but he does talk about a lot of stuff that I would guess the ruling elite and people empowered wouldn't want him talking about. Um, and you can say the same thing about other comedians that, or uh, music artists even, um, actors, pe- people that have, have kind of started broaching certain topics or knew something they shouldn't have known, and who knows, you know? Um, these are all things that remain a mystery for well, until somebody exposes it, and and then they too are at risk. So, um, I'm not opposed to doing it, but I don't want to broach those topics unless there's an interest for it. So, if you have uh, an interest in hearing something like that, let me know. Now you're saying to yourself, well, well how, Ryan? How do I let you know? Well, it's very easy. If you have Twitter, you can go to Twitter and... Uh, Type in the little at symbol, the Think Tank Pod, and you can tweet it at me. Say, hey, I want to hear uh, about this George Carlin conspiracy or uh, whatever. Just tweet at me and say you want to hear it, hear about it, and uh, you know we'll look into it. Or if you have another idea, some other ideas, some other topics, some other 
theories of just about anything. I really am open to anything, but I need to know what uh, you want to hear. So, you can also tweet those at me. Same same little thing. If you have a Twitter, at the Think Tank Pod. If you don't have a Twitter, and uh, you're still rocking the MySpace, then, uh, you know, good for you. Uh, that's very hipster of you. Um, but, in order to have a MySpace, you also have to have an email. So, use that email, and you can email me, thinktankpod at gmail.com. And you can email me any links, articles, um, ideas, your thoughts, your opinions, your complaints, your concerns, all those good things. Um, <clears throat> yeah, sorry, had to clear my throat there. Um, yeah, and that'll pretty much do it. I, I will not uh, be giving out any information on advertising because although some out there may say, oh, this is just an easy episode, he doesn't even have to say anything, he just plays a bunch of clips of somebody else's genius work. Well, that's why I'm not going to throw out any advertising because um, I'm not trying to take your money or have you support the podcast while somebody else is doing all the legwork. So... There's no uh, information on how to sponsor the podcast today. Um, but this was more so done, not because it's the easy way out, because I couldn't express the same kind of information in more of a genius way than George Carlin did. And uh, I'm not trying to claim any money off of George Carlin. So that's why we're not going to do any uh, sponsoring today. And if you, if you, if you want to sponsor knowing that this isn't what it's all about on uh, this particular episode, that uh, we put a lot of research and effort into all the other episodes, then uh, go listen to one of those other episodes um, in the past several weeks, and you can get the information off of those episodes. So, um, thanks for listening, thanks for downloading and all that. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode, even though maybe you enjoyed it more because it wasn't me talking. I don't know. Uh, whatever the case may be, hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hope you actually kind of understood what he was saying within what was wrapped up in a nice little comedy bow. And I hope you got something out of this. If you've never heard George Carlin before, then man, I, I'm more curious to hear from you than anybody because how the hell did you never hear of George Carlin? And if you've heard George Carlin and you've heard all of the the acts and HBO specials and all these audio books and all this that he's done, and these were nice little reminders, then I guess uh, I did my job through George Carlin. So thank you, George Carlin. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. They are a secret network of international pirates who identify with no nation, no national flag, and no established religion. Their flag is the skull and crossbones. And their god, G-O-D, spells gold, oil, and drugs. One, two, I. Yeah. That's right. Uh. Lives from the belly. It got me behind the fence. I run shit from the inside. The fucking president of the infamous gang. The wig for my stank. I got that icky, icky cotton picky shit that had you days. I'm a quadruple OG, a old soul. Call me the reincarnation of the Pharaoh with an OE. The barrel full of hot lead. Shoot a pothead. 
I'm talking that shit about hip hop dad. Nas live from behind the gate, permanent smiley face. Any nigga stunned on the car, now you out of place. I beat a lot of cases, had to take a L. I see you in the hot set, yep, hold it down. Money is worthless, real power is people. Real strength is in the street, but everybody's equal. Fuck jury, fuck friends. Let's spend on our protection. Get armor, get cameras. Get with it, little nigga, this man shit. Real power is people. Real strength is in the street, but everybody's equal. from behind the wall. Sitting, staring at the wall I'm fit to pop out this bitch like a newborn I'm fit to cut out all the smoking and the drinking The wine and the spirits It's evil when you think it, baby, so I'm telling the truth You live it, then you see it You breathe it, then you bid I tell you little secret, it's a secret Government, they worship an hour They practice witchcraft to harness their power Pedophiles rape little kids for energy It's satanic ritual, WTC They lit the pentagon on fire, that's lighting the pentagram on fire. All these bodies for what? See, you scared, body in the wrong world, huh? All my promises is on deck. So if you ain't come for a war, then run. Money is worthless, real power is people. Real strength is in the street, but everybody's equal. Fuck jury, fuck friends. Let's spend on our protection. Get armor. Get cameras, get with it, little nigga, this man shit. Real power is people, real strength is in the street, but everybody's equal. You've been listening to the D2R Podcast Network, brought to you by Dream to Reality Entertainment. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the D2R Podcast Network on iTunes. Give us a rating and leave us a comment. We'd really appreciate it. Your word of mouth is our only advertising, so please do us a solid. Share us with everyone you know. Thanks for listening.